Hello everybody! So, today we're gonna talk about DMT and why it feels so real. You know, I've, uh, I've recently been talking about just how bad benzos are for your nervous system. I saw somebody describe them as hand grenades for your nervous system and I would definitely agree. Now, DMT is not neurotoxic, but you could perhaps even describe it as hand grenades for healthy epistemology. And a lot of people believe all sorts of really crazy things after DMT experiences, and I mean, no doubt, their experiences in some sense may truly suggest all of that. Now, I don't want to dissuade you from beliefs such as that, you know, DMT allows you to literally interact with other mind-independent realities, but I do want to, in a sense, still mend the case that it is all in your head. In other words, what would it look like for somebody to you know, try to make a compelling case to somebody who, you know, just came down from an intense uh, DMT trip um, that, yeah, it was all in your head. But uh, first, the quality of the day, uh, that's uh, Rose, Rose Scent, and uh, immediately somebody might think, well, Rose Essential Oil, and uh, it smells very nice. The thing is that it actually smells uh, surprisingly spicy, and there's a good reason for it, which is that the process of distillation essentially it changes the proportions between the molecules, and in particular, it ups the amount of eugenol, uh, which is kind of a clove oil. So, yeah, basically, rose essential oil smells a little bit like cloves. Um, yeah, clove oil. But uh, if you want to have kind of a more, you know, actual rose smell, what you would smell right, you know, in uh, right next to the flower, uh, maybe try some rose water. I really like rose water. It's very soothing extremely light and you never regret putting it on because it dissipates, you know, within 10-20 minutes. So it's very much of a normal, uh, pretty mild thing. Uh, definitely also like rose perfumes are worth uh, considering. But uh, honestly, the absolutely most realistic rendition of a rose oil actually comes from, uh, in my experience, from fragrance oils, which are oftentimes uh, actually, you know, synthetic mixtures. and. The reason is that, you know, the process of distillation makes it so difficult to get the proportions just right. Whereas if you just, you know, <laughs> put in the appropriate molecules in the appropriate proportions, uh, you will get actually what you want. Now, I wish I could show you some replications, some, you know, rose reconstructions. Unfortunately, I have not been able to source phenylethyl alcohol, which is, uh, an, you know, the main character impact driver of rose. Um, and, uh, it also has, importantly, uh, geranium, uh, geraniol, which is also in, in geranium, and uh, that's a, a very important part of rose. Uh, tiny amounts of um, um, uh, damascinone, very closely related to damascone, which makes kind of this like sweetness to it. Anyway, rose is very grounding, and it's very important to be grounded for the kind of conversation that we are about to have you know, <laughs> ground yourself a little bit, um, understand that we're going to about to, you know, we'll be talking about really crazy stuff, uh, really mind-bending stuff. So how do you keep your sanity? Well, you stay grounded, and here we are. Now, before I delve further into it, I did want to point out I'm wearing uh, this t-shirt that I, that I made a couple years ago by just stitching together several conformal mappings of the hyperbolic plane. Uh, so you get this feeling of, you know, an infinity horizon, as well as, you know, some trippy patterns. Um, kudos to whoever can figure out what is the um, wallpaper symmetry group expressed in this shirt. And 
And uh, if you put it in the comments, I'll definitely give you kudos for it. <laughs> so uh, in Orbifold, Orbifold uh, uh, Conway notation. So, okay, get on with it. Now, it's very important to understand that as you take substances, mind-altering substances, reality-altering substances, you develop a model of which aspects of your experience are trustworthy, trustworthy ways of remaining in contact with the external environment, and which ones are not. Basically, you kind of segregate your sensations into trusty, trusted signals and, and, you know, signals that are being messed up with. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you take something like LSD and, you know, clearly your visual experience uh, is not necessarily super trustworthy unless, you know, you're looking at a carefully tuned psychedelic cryptography test or something like that where you actually perform better than, <laughs> than the person right next to you who's not tripping. But that's, uh, that's kind of rare. Um, for the most part, yeah, on LSD, your, your visual perception is going to be a little bit uh, wacky, a little bit uh, off. Um, you might actually see things that actually are just not there at all. Um, so that, you know, it's not a very trusted signal. But, you know, your ability to be yourself kind of concept uh, within reasonable doses, um, you don't, you know, get crazy alien abduction type experiences on, on LSD. Um, and, uh, you know, you can take all of these different drugs, let's say, you know, LSD, 2CB, you know, ketamine, and you kind of generate a model of how each of this, each of these substances affect you, and which signals remain trusted. And, um, you know, obviously this has applications elsewhere too, you know, this framework that, you know, we build a worldview around trusted signals uh, the, that kind of become the, the consilience point, or the, or the sources for, for a consilience between beliefs that in a sense the the things that you find the, the most true in your life are usually the things you self-organize around. And um, when a trusted signal, something that you had considered to be true, starts to, um, you know, send really weird stuff that can, in a sense, shift you from one attractor, one particular worldview, to a completely different worldview. And of course, we are seeing something of this sort with mind hacking across the world with a new emerging meme plexus but that's uh that's a sorry for another time so okay so you have these you know trusted signals you have a model of it so how do you remain sane in an intense psychedelic or dissociative you know mind-bending experience well you need to have the following three conditions a you need to know that you're tripping <laughs> you need to know that you're being affected by it <laughs> second of all you need to have an accurate model of what the trusted signals are and third, the drug has to be just sufficiently weak or just not sufficiently intense or powerful that it will, in its own effects, mess with these other two properties. And, you know, the, you see that all the time. If you take enough of something like, like uh, LSD or, you know, even, you know, a delirant, something like uh, high doses of diphenhydramine, which I, I, I really encourage nobody to do, um, you know, that can mess with the first one, which is you may not even know that you are altered. Uh, and uh, if you don't know that you're altered, well, it doesn't even matter if you have a good model or not. You're going to be uh, you know, interpreting the experience from a very rational point of view. Now, you can also, in a sense, alter your model itself. You can, you know, the drug can be so powerful that it, it basically alters how you interpret the, the model 
of the signals that are trustworthy or not trustworthy. Now, some drugs do that, and uh, 5-MeO-DMT might do that to some extent, but DMT doesn't. One of the crazy things about DMT is that it feels extremely clear-headed. You know that you're tripping for the most part. I mean, it feels very real, but you know that you're tripping. So that, that's not the problem. Um, the, the problem is, is uh, a different one. In a sense, it's almost kind of a simpler one, which is that DMT messes with many more channels that are usually trusted with that other psychedelics simply just do not touch. So let me give you some, some examples of this. So first of all, hyperbolic geometry. You know, Terence McKenna talks about DMT entities showing you objects that not only are they weird and intricate and really complex, they're also impossible. And what does it mean for an object to be impossible? Well, I mean, if it's impossible, it cannot exist, right? So clearly they're showing you possible objects, you don't know, but maybe there's a truth to what he's saying. And, and I think that that truth uh, goes along the lines of um, there are objects that are just not native to the geometric embedding of your normal experience. So what's changing on DMT to a large extent is the structure and geometry of your phenomenal field. And that allows it to basically support completely exotic and strange hyperbolic objects with irreducible complexity. And of course, if you see that, yes, those are impossible in our 3D Euclidean world. They are impossible here. And it's not only a matter of like, well, rendering it in a picture, right? No, 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 you actually need to have the structure of your experience modified to actually see them for what they are in the moment. Here would be just, you know, one example of these, like on, you know, and this would be a projection, you know, this wouldn't be the, the real deal, but uh, these hyperbolic comb type structures are things that in the DMT space you can experience in an undistorted way. And of course, if you have some kind of direct implicit realist uh, uh, assumption about reality, that's going to throw you off so badly. You know, you're gonna, it just makes you, dis, you know, it's co complete hand grenade to your epistemology. <laughs> On the other hand, if you know that the structure of your phenomenal fields are variable, then yeah, this is not that weird. I mean, it's really impressive in the moment, but you understand that, yeah, that corresponds to a property of an exotic state of consciousness. All right, so that's one, but it's not the only one. It's definitely the one that I've talked the most about, but there's other really interesting ones. So DMT has an incredible high resolution multimodal integration feature. In other words, it's not the same, you know, smelling something and experiencing something new that way because that's kind of a dis discarnate experience. It's like, yeah, you have a, a scent field in your consciousness. It's part of your experience, but it's not very connected to everything else. Now, when you are seeing a bizarre mathematically shaped spaceship that looks and hears and feels and, and, and touch and like basically all of those features are synchronized, basically, in other words, the various sensory, sensory modalities and internal modalities of experience that we have become synchronized. The hallucinations are coherent across multiple modalities. 
that's not something that happens with most psychedelics or even, uh, you know, dissociatives. Dissociatives actually makes a lot of experiences incoherent, uh, except in some domains. But basically, you know, dissociating the coupling between modalities. Uh, LSD, for example, is not going to usually create kind of a a true hallucination where you can like touch it and, and, and feel it that way, whereas DMT definitely can. <laughs> And that is extremely disconcerting. And to a large extent, our test of reality has to do with the consistency between modalities. And uh, a quick anecdote here is that I have had the experience of actually just not knowing um, which modality to trust. I was once uh, waking up from a dream in Norway, and I remember just like touching my room around, and my visual field was stuck. It was this weird kind of like a green screen with some detail I couldn't really make out of. Uh, didn't understand what it was. But I, no matter where I looked, the, my visual field was the same. I thought I had developed some bizarre neurological phenomenon. Whereas my ability to touch my room around, go to the bathroom, open the faucet, wash my hands, all of that was intact. And then all of a sudden, I realized that I could move my head and my visual field started actually tracking, actually tracking my movements. And I realized that I had misunderstood my experience entirely. What was happening is I was undergoing a sleep paralysis. I had my eyes open. <laughs> I was hallucinating the tactile feelings. And actually the sight was correct. I was staring at the top of my bed. So that's a stark example of mistaking which signals trust and developing a completely different interpretation because of that. Okay, so that's that's one, one thing. Now, DMT also messes with uh, your signals of basically philosophy enhancement or what I call metaphysical modeling. That like people talk about like, well, I went to a world and they showed me these Xbox, but for universes. And like they were showing me how my reality is constructed and, and so on. Well, here's the thing. The state space of consciousness is not only about, you know, low level sensations like colors and tastes and scents and things like that. It's also about high level interpretations that organize all of that experience. And that also changes on DMT such that like people who are not very philosophical, all of a sudden they unlock, they become kind of these Kant, uh, Sartre, Turin, uh, you know, David Pierce, uh, you know, Nick Bostrom, brief, you know, kind of like newborn with like all of these crazy philosophical faculties, you know, never trained or never used before, but completely wide awake. So this like urgency to interpret reality and make sense of it. Yeah, that boom, like explodes on DMT. And that is something that we don't associate as, you know, being something that is kind of like could be a hallucination. That we, we talk, like, no, for the most part, our philosophical ability, our philosophical capacities are very trusted signals. So when a drug is messing with them, oh, yes, of course, you're going to interpret this as like, well, yeah, they were revealing to me what the nature of reality was, as opposed to, oh, I was reinterpreting my sensations from a completely new metaphysical, philosophical sense, which is itself a variable in consciousness. So that's that's another very very big one, and it's very hard to explain this, uh, but uh, but I think it's true. Now, there's uh, a couple more things, uh, which is the intensity of the experience. Uh, I mean, I often talk about the energy parameter of experience, and DMT can push it really high. I mean, like 
You know how like if you eat like a very intense hot sauce, there's a energy quality to it. It's very bright. Well, on DMT, everything is like that. And there's many levels of it. You know, there is a lot, you know, from one to a thousand. If usually the energy levels that we <laughs> believe in is maybe between like 10 and 20, DMT ranges between like 20 to like a hundred. Like it, it can be can be really hot. It gets really hot in there, so to speak. The temperature parameter, the, the energy parameter. Uh, valence as well. Intensely valenced experiences are usually trusted. I mean, when you meditate on Jesus or Buddha or something and you feel this feeling of profound universal love, so blissful and beautiful, it feels very true. Now, I do encourage people to cultivate trust in something like loving kindness. I think that's very healthy for oneself. It's a, a shelling port for self-organization, as Mike would put it. Um, but it's, uh, it's also wonderful for how you interact with others and, and so on. But uh, is it a metaphysical truth? I'm not sure. It might just be a, that the valence is very persuasive. Ah, now, very persuasive experiences can also become shelling points for organizing society. And that's why I think uh, <laughs> universal love actually will have important causal consequences that will you know, improve the world for the most part. But uh, yeah, I mean, whether it's a true insight or not, that remains to be seen. Uh, so, okay, so that's like energy and valence. But also, and this is um, getting to the end here, it's uh, sensory modalities that, are, you know, typically on psychedelics, people expect that you're going to have crazy visuals, you know, maybe some audio hallucinations and a body, you know, a body high of some sort, but like nothing too extreme on the body and tactile dimension. Whereas DMT not only saturates, it turns your, your brain into a quillia machine, but, it, but it's across the board. And uh, I've gotten crazy reports. Uh, for example, uh, a girl who was telling me that uh, on, on DMT, she went, uh, hallucinated going into this kind of a cosmic pastry store. And the uh, entities were like telling her to eat all of these uh, wonderful things. And like she said, like she, the delicious, the, the taste was at a level of intensity and deliciousness and reality that she has never experienced with any food. So yeah, like you can have powerful, powerful taste hallucinations on DMT. And that is for the most part a trusted source on psychedelics. I mean, people talk about like, well, I was having a bit of a metallic taste or something like, no, no, no. <laughs> on DMT, you get the full buffet, the entire thing. <laughs> you can have it. Uh, smell hallucinations on DMT. Uh, also can be really compelling. Like you, you feel, you, you believe that you went to a interdimensional perfume store. Color hallucinations and intensity and vibrancy of of colors that is unheard of. Uh, not even in other psychedelics, you get that that level of brightness. Uh, but the one that I think messes with people the most is touch touch hallucinations. Those are crazy. I mean, people talk about they they take DMT and they look at their their arm and they feel that every cell in their body is uh, waking up. And then you have like, this crazy, maybe even coalitions or competitions between cells to take over your body. And like, anyway, I'll probably make a video and write much more about the state space of tactile hallucinations, because there's a lot of tactile hallucinations. But just to, to, to throw something out there in the meantime is that there's profound feelings of uh, kind of electromagnetic disturbances, something that really feels like, you know, there's ghosts and things around. It's not 
it's not only that you touch it or feel it like no your sense of electromagnetism is also deeply altered uh, when you cross a veil on DMT you break through or whatever it's not only that you hallucinate it and you hear it is that you feel it in every part of your body and it's consistent it's cross modally matched is phenomenally bound across modalities so that's <laughs> that's another why another reason why it's so incredibly convincing uh, the last kind of uh, sensory modality that gets really messed with on DMT is proprioception. This is one of the weirdest things because you can enter into a room or whatever where there's like an entity that it, that tells you like, hey, I'm going to manipulate your body image. And uh, and it does it. And it does these crazy things where, it's like, where you feel your hands are around here. And then all of a sudden you realize like, no, actually I'm like sitting down on my arms are like you know down or that you feel you were like twisting your move your your body around in a certain way and it turns out you were actually doing something completely different now that messes with people's epistemology so badly because you feel that like oh gosh like i i i, uh, I had an out-of-body experience my energy body or something was interacting with this other reality it was disconnected from my body again yeah, maybe a rational interpretation might be, you know, it's really messing up with your homunculi, <laughs> your, the, the, you know, the, the modality of proprioception. Okay, just to, to finish up, um, the last thing uh, that I'll talk about now is uh, that DMT also messes with your sense of wisdom. Okay, so you experience like crazy Aztec and, you know, Babylonian and Greek, you know, patterns. Now, a lot of people interpret that like, oh, everybody experiences the same beautiful, you know, pre-historical or, you know, ancient patterns. And uh, that makes it true. Now, of course, I have to highlight that all of those patterns are like actually relatively simple symmetries. <laughs> and therefore, it's not like the Aztecs invented the, I don't know, <laughs> the freeze patterns or, <laughs> or wallpaper symmetry groups. Uh, or the Buddhists invented, you know, the star 442 mandala type. Like, no. These are beautiful and uh, and universal because they're simple. They're like actually simple symmetries. So of course, if you take something that creates intense symmetrical states, yeah, it can kind of look like an ancient civilization. But you know, with the intensified emotion, I think there's this very, very common experience on uh, something like DMT, especially if done in a ceremonial fashion, where you feel that the ancestors are admonishing you for your, you know, there's kind of a lot of, especially with bad hedonic tone, if you're kind of depressed or have anxiety or whatnot, like you're going to experience a lot of these things as a revealed wisdom. Uh, now, maybe that's useful for getting rid of bad habits or, or something like that. I don't think it's useful for epistemology. I mean, if you want a super Shulgin Academy, where you want like really rational, smart, you know, mathematicians, computer scientists, philosophers doing this work without going crazy, <laughs> yeah, you may kind of uh, need to disregard and uh, um, and tell the uh, you know the Aztec gods that you're seeing like, well, yeah, maybe not today. I may not believe you. You're an interesting state of consciousness, but uh, yeah, no, the revealed wisdom. I think it's uh, illusory. Uh, the, now. There is one thing that uh, I'll conclude this with, which is that the DMT spaces may know more about yourself than you yourself know about yourself. Uh, and, uh, and there's a deep reason why. And it has to do with the mind embodiment connection, um, which is that, you know, when you enter a DMT trip, basically something that happens is that you will fall through what feels like 
tons of different possible realities and you something will guide you and kind of lock you in into only one of them and usually you will explore that maybe you might you know go out some people have a describe this as kind of a, an intergalactic internet or something i like to talk about it as like yeah it's kind of like a, a the, the youtube of interdimensional experiences or something like that but um the and, and people say yeah you know i experienced the reality that i had to experience and there's a big reason why i believe and my interpretation of this is that basically you have a pre-existing affective state embodied affective state when you uh, start tripping and what that's happening there is a kind of a kneeling process where you quickly explore lots of possible phase locking relationships between modalities and you know uh harmonic resonant modes and the one that you gravitated towards is the one that resonates with your pre-existing affective state and that is why i always always highlight that if you're gonna if you're gonna trip and like what you want is like healing what you want is you know having a good time without becoming traumatized by demons or alien probes or i don't know energetic bu uh, bugs you know uh, entering your veins or any any of that creepy horrible stuff uh, i just recommend you start out in a really good mood you know meditate do loving kindness do yoga eat really well for a week don't take you know other drugs um and then you will be in the best condition to actually, you know, try a, a vaped DMT experience such that when you experience this overflow of possible realities, the one you actually interlock with is a very positive and sane one that resonates with your affective state. Now, um, that's, uh, that's it for now. So hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> this will help your uh, sanity quotient, the sanity quotient of your uh, communities. And uh, definitely feel free to share this video with uh, anybody who you suspect maybe going off the rails on the DMT train. So uh, that is not to bash DMT. DMT is a fascinating substance, absolutely essential for, for a quilia, successful quilia research in the future, but uh, it is a hand grenade for your epistemology for the most part. All right, everybody, thank you so much and have a wonderful day.